Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, it's funny that, you know, I'm, I'm on sex talk with my mom because I often joke that everything I learned about dirty talk, I learned from my mother. And, really? Well, it's not that sexy. It's, it's, it's you, know, <laughs> you know, when you're little and you're in trouble, she would always say, like, Jessica, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Ah. Uh. It's uncomfortable to talk about sex, but sometimes it's important to get uncomfortable. Sex Talk with My Mom is the best mom-son podcast about sex. It's the only one as well. My mother is a cougar. My son is a clown. In a nutshell, my dad died. So my mother decided to create a YouTube channel all about sex, like all mothers do. And then my son decides to use my material in his stand-up comedy routines. And thus, Sex Talk with My Mom was born. Welcome to Sex Talk with My Mom. I'm Cam Poder. And I'm Karen Lee Poder. That's my mother. She's the cougarest one of all. And together we talk about sex twice a week on Mondays and Thursdays. The cougarest one of all. Yes, we do. And today we had a special guest on. Her name was Dr. Jess. Dr. Jessica O'Reilly is a fucking badass author, speaker, teacher. And we talk all about her newest book, the ultimate guide to seduction and foreplay. Ooh. Oh, yeah. We had an opportunity to preview the book. And I got to say, I was shocked to hear that I could learn a lot from her. You were shocked that someone had something to teach you? Yeah. I mean, she goes to step-by-step dirty talking, fantasies, um, and stuff that, uh, yeah, I've been always wanting to get like away from just learning how to dirty talk from porn. You know, yeah. she, 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 you know, and she puts them into different categories and I, I just learned a lot from her and she's such a sweetheart too. The whole thing is very pro living your life to the fullest. And, Which and I guess really, is what we love to hear from. That's, that's our motto, right? I didn't know that was our motto, but I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> is that our motto now, mom? Our motto is to live life to the, live, live life to the fullest. Live, live life, life to the fullest. With a scratchy ass head. And, you know, we get into what the key to seduction is. And isn't that like some of that fucking bullshit, the game tips? These are qualified tips. She's got her PhD in in human sexuality. She teaches internationally around the world uh, and helps couples. That's what I loved about her. Because a lot of the people we've uh, interviewed are talking a lot about single people, people that are just in the dating world. She she talks about couples as well, a lot about couples all different types of couples too not just monogamous couples we're talking she identifies as queer 
And she's married. A lot of the stuff that I can relate to came out in this interview. She's been on all sorts of TV. She's hosted a a show for five seasons on Playboy TV. It's amazing. So if you want to learn about seduction, about dirty talk, about how to get over your fear of rejection and fear of rejecting others, this is the episode for you. I think we got to let them have it, Mother. Yeah, I just want to mention, I think that you were trying to get a little therapy session in with her. Listen, if I got a wonderful (laughs) sex educator slash therapist on the line over here, I'm going to fucking ask my personal questions. Did you think you could fly that by and not have me recognize the fact that you were going in for some personal stuff? I think it could be applicable to everyone. And (laughs) I would love to hear your thoughts. Listeners, please feel free to text us at YesTextMom with regard to whether you struggle with any of these issues and how you think this could help you. We'll talk to you soon. Dr. Jess, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We are so pumped to have you. I have been reading your ultimate guide to seduction and foreplay. (laughs) And I started reading it yesterday, which is like a crazy day in America. And it was like, there's rioting, people are looting and just utter chaos. I'm reading all about racial issues. And then I'm like, oh, it's time to start preparing for this interview. And I start reading all about seduction. And it was a very weird confluence of getting very emotionally distressed and then getting very turned on at the same time yes it was a wild experience for me and uh and And me too by the way i really i really loved your book i was like whoa she's teaching me a lot of good stuff here i love it thank you well and and you know it's it's a the, the, the new book was actually co-authored by Marla Renee Stewart. And I'll tell you, like when we, we think about race, um, there are so few people of color writing sex books. So, you know, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm mixed race, uh, Chinese, Jamaican, and Irish. Marla is black American. And you may not see it in the book, but even in our language and the way we approach things, it's through a slightly different cultural lens. Me kind of bridging worlds and Marla with a totally different experience. Oh, I should mention I'm also Canadian. So there's... It's a whole bunch of, yeah, which is why I need a translator. (laughs) And the name of the book, for those of you who don't know it, it's The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay. And it's awesome. Thank you. I really was enjoying this. It didn't stand out to me that you're mixed race or that she was coming from her perspective. So do you think it had any impact on the actual content of the book in in any way that is not basically how it your background influences it? Yeah, so I definitely think in any product we create, we bring our experience into it. And so, you know, both of us also being queer, although you've you've met my husband, so I have a a husband, but I'm also queer and Marla has a, has a wife. Um, you know, you probably notice that the language isn't specific to any type of relationship, uh, whether we're thinking about, you know, gender identity or sexual orientation or even uh, monogamous or consensually non-monogamous. Now, I'm sure there's still some monogamous bias in there, uh, but we, you know, really try to make sure that the language is inclusive. You know, when we talk about partner, we're also talking about partners. Um, when we talk about different conversations you can have with a lover, it's not just a long-term lover. So we tried, you know, to be as inclusive as possible. And I have to admit that this is actually my fifth book I've written. And in previous books, I've never had, uh, I think, as much influence over my own manuscript, which is a weird thing, right? You'd think that, like, you'd have complete control over your own manuscript. Of course. But yeah, yeah. This, this is the first one where I felt like I've really put myself into it and got to explore some of the concepts that matter more to me. I love it. 
Yeah. What, what what made you want to write this book? Uh, they asked me to. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, here's a few dollars. <laughs> um, so publishers. You're yeah, to. exactly. Oh, Cleese, Press, Cleese Press has a whole series on the ultimate guides. And they had asked about the ultimate guide to seduction. And I said, can we make it seduction and foreplay? And then both Marla and I really wanted to remind people that one person's foreplay is another person's main event, right? So mm. something that you use to get a little turned on before you get to your main event might be what I actually do on a Saturday morning uh, as my main event. So we really wanted to flip the script. I know there's so much out there around seduction that is, you know, kind of bastardized and really rooted in manipulation and getting what you want. So we, yeah, we really wanted to rewrite it so that it's about, um, you know, proposing something to somebody so that you can both enjoy pleasure as opposed to tricking or manipulating or just focusing on one, one person's needs instead of both or all. And it seems pretty much tied to seduction in a standing relationship as opposed to like, you know, if I'm just seducing someone on the street or on like a first date. Is that accurate? Yeah, I would say that we definitely have long-term relationships more in mind. I think the principles are applicable at any stage of the relationship. And, you know, Karen Lee, when we last spoke, you said the key to relationships is communication. And the whole book is ultimately a series of theories and then hundreds of prompts to help people have these conversations either with themselves or with their partners. Because sometimes, you know, we we talk about things like sexual values. What are your sexual values? And, you know, even people in the field who have studied this, we haven't really considered these concepts with any depth. So we give them like different language and different questions to answer. You know, what did you learn about sex growing up? What are the physical benefits you like to get out of sex? What are the spiritual benefits for some people? What are the emotional benefits? What are the relational benefits? What are the practical benefits? You know, uh, you know, it's like the fun stuff like, do you care about squirting because you may not want to do the laundry or the emotional stuff? (laughs) 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 You know, the emotional stuff, how do you need to feel in order to get in the mood for sex? Yeah, I value very, very clean sheets. And so squirting is off the table. There you go. Well, you, you might you might just need one of those waterproof blankets. You know that no more well, wet spot we, blanket? Got the, yeah, oh, we yeah. Got we got them. I, had I was a just question. kidding. I don't, I don't mind the sheets being all wet. It's uh, fine. I don't mind as long as Brandon sleeps in the wet spot. Like, I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> but the sex blanket does definitely help with, the, with the, both of those things. So my question is, you talk a lot about dirty talking and uh, fantasy talk. And and can you give us some practical tips? Because I love what you wrote. You gave a step-by-step guide. I mean, there it's awesome. Well, it's funny that, you know, I'm, I'm on sex talk with my mom because I often joke that everything I learned about dirty talk, I learned from my mother. And no well, it's not that sexy. It's, 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 you know, <laughs> you know, when you're little and you're in trouble, she would always say like, Jessica, it's not what you say. It's how you say it. <laughs> Ah. (laughs) You know when you're in trouble for being rude and you're like, well, what did I do? I only said this. So we spend some time thinking about and talking about like the tone of your voice, Uh, not just what you say, but when do you say it, right? Because I can give you 
I can give you 100 dirty talk lines. And of course, it's going to vary from person to person. But more importantly, it varies from situation to situation. If I'm pissed off because, you know, I'm in a fight with my best friend and a kid is tugging at my pants and the pasta is burning on the stove and you come up and say like the most possibly seductive thing to me, I'm not going to have a positive reaction. But uh, maybe, you know, like it doesn't matter what you say or how you say it. You also have to think about timing. But when we think about dirty talk... Uh, We want to help people find their sexual personality because some of us are really naturally aggressive and dominant and we can say exactly what we want and that can be really hot. But some of us are more kind of coy and playful and we toy around and that can be really hot too. And some of us are really, really raunchy, right? Like we want to talk about what it's going to taste like, what it's going to feel like, how it drips, how it squeezes, how it's like all of those, you know, you know, more raunchy things. And then other people are more into like the fantasy world. And so what we do is we break dirty talk into all these different categories from the romantic like oh you're the best I've ever had I'm never going to want anything but you or this is you know this is the magic dick I want to ride that thing or those those magic dick (laughs) mom approved mom approved so (laughs) we, we give you examples for each of the different styles and I think that naturally each of us is inclined toward a different style but also uh you know, at different points in time, our mood can shift. Like sometimes I just do want to hear something really loving and it can be really hot. And then other times I want something raunchy. And then other times I want something totally out there that refers to a situation that, you know, I may never want to live out in real life. Like maybe I want to think of, I want him to talk about how he's going to take me out to the forest and he's going to tie me down and a deer is going to walk up and watch from the (laughs) corner. And then all of a sudden there's a couple of lumberjacks and then, you know, there's these you know and sometimes what an imagination right well i'm canadian so there had to be a lumberjack in there somewhere oh (laughs) jessica what you're doing is storytelling and you're teaching stories we we had um dixie de la tour yes one of our guests but she's also has her own podcast that's why i was uh body storytelling the host of body Body storytelling yeah i know her i know her yeah, but it doesn't even have to be her. She she just happened to teach me a lot about storytelling, and you teach a lot about storytelling in your book. So For I sure. I actually and I started in some of the questions that you have. I started asking my boyfriend. Oh, like to, good. Yeah, I started asking him, and we had such a laugh because of the the comments that he was you know suggesting, and it went in a completely different direction than I thought it would go. But it was oh, fun. Good. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's that's what you two do is you you have these conversations that aren't always perfect and that aren't always comfortable and that aren't always linear, but you have these uncomfortable conversations. And even if there's not a positive outcome right away, in the long term, you're creating positive outcomes, right? Like you may have said things working together. I mean, I, I can say this for myself. Maybe I won't speak for you. Working together, we're going to piss each other off sometimes. We're going to say things that upsets the other person. But when we're speaking our truth, when we're being honest, when we're talking about uncomfortable feelings and topics, in the end, it enriches the relationship. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the ultimate guide to seduction and foreplay, I, I, I don't think you can take all let's say there's a couple hundred prompts in there and do all of them. Uh, I think you need to do a little bit at a time. Even if you just picked one question a week to explore for yourself or one exercise to explore with a partner, I think that'd be a really good start for most people because most of us get into relationships and we hope that they're going to work out. We hope that we found the right person instead of accepting that 
Relationships work because we invest in them. Just like a business only works if you invest. Your health is only only strong if you invest. All you know, all the things in our life lives that matter require investment and ongoing nurturing. You know, and in North American culture, we spend more time and money on the wedding than we ever do on the relationship. And this is why Isn't we've got the truth. Yeah, yeah, we got a, we got a 41% divorce rate, a 24% admitted infidelity rate, declining relationship relationship satisfaction rates and really, you know, that's why the, I do the work I do. You know, I, I, I travel and I just speak with groups and say, what can we do to just formally invest in your relationship? Because you tell me that it's the most important thing in your life. So I work primarily uh, really only with entrepreneurs and, and CEOs and their partners with a couple of groups uh, around the world. Like they have member chapters in every most, most big cities. And they all will tell you that, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm passionate about my business, but my, my partner, my love, my family, they're the most important thing. And I'm thinking, well, you invest how many hours a week into your business, but you don't want to invest one hour a week into your relationship. Well, so, and, it, and the other thing is, when at the start, at the very start, I don't understand why, two things. One, well, you don't have a manual for couples when they first, mm-hmm. uh, if the, before they get married, they should definitely have some sort of they required reading. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the second, once they have kids, there's no manual for that either. Mm, Everyone yeah. needs to take a course in parenting as well. I mean, the, the, the two Great most important point. relationships, your, your partner and your, your, your children, yeah. those are the ones that we don't invest anything in. Exactly. I, I, I have a question here. Uh, I was reading the book in... You know, I, I was like, oh, wow, these are great tips. I would love to be implementing this. And and then I was like, you know, I think I missed a chapter at the beginning or something where it tells you who to do this with. <laughs> you know, I, I, was, I was like, if I try these tips with anyone currently in my life, I would come off as a fucking creep, you know? Why? Why? Well, because I don't have a... A romantic partner right now. So you're yeah, talking about sense. you're talking about someone in line at the grocery store. Yeah, that'd be creepy. <laughs> right, exactly. So it, it raised the question for me, which is, how do you choose who to invest in? Like you were describing before, how do you choose who to who to get into relationship? With. That's a great question. I mean, Karen Lee, in your book, you you talk about people not playing games and not wasting time. And right. um, last week on on my podcast, I interviewed um, the author of another book called Modern Horror. So she's a sex worker, and her her insight really resonated with me, which is that when she's in uh, an exchange with a client. You got to put the money down first and we talk about what we're willing to do. And I thought if we could just do that on dates, on your first date, <laughs> no, not, not the money. I mean, money's fine too. Money's certainly fine. But be honest about what you want. Like, don't tell me that you want a relationship if you just want to get laid. And don't tell me you want something casual if you're hoping it turns into a relationship. And, you know, in your book, you that's what you're really talking about is, you know what, we've gotten to a point in life where we have enough experience, we know ourselves well enough, maybe we've lost enough, right? Like you, you've been through grief yourself mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. say, I'm not going to waste my time or anybody else's time or that type of show that type of disrespect of playing games because life is short and we don't know how long life is going to be. I mean, I'm going to live till I'm 108 for sure. Knock on wood. Well, uh, <laughs> me as well, yeah, for sure. But uh, everybody else, it's it's uh, it's a crapshoot. I don't, I know that I could die tomorrow and I want to live my life in a way not that it's wasteful or throwaway, but I, I don't want to, I don't want my time disrespected and I don't want to disrespect other people's time. So, I mean, 
I think like your as usual, Cam, your mom has the answers, which is, you know, you have, you. you have to ask these questions. Like, what do you really want? Be honest with me and I'll be honest with you. And if you feel someone's lying to you or playing games, say so and own it. Say, you know what? I feel like maybe we're not being as honest as we could. Let's have this conversation because this is how I feel about life. This is my philosophy and I don't want to waste your time and I don't want to waste mine. And just like a sex worker. And for those um, people who are just, you know, tuning in for the first time to our podcast, I wrote a book called Fuck Games, Stay Cougars. And basically, you don't have to necessarily be a quote unquote older woman to appreciate this book or or a younger man to appreciate this book. It it really is um, just about the no holds bars approach to dating, I think. Just talk about your feelings. And Cam, you're good at this. You're okay, so like the expert. You you give a, a checklist. A, they, every every <laughs> every date needs to have a, a fill out their entire STD reports for you. I mean, you talk about things more so than most people, I would assume. Here's the, here's where it gets tricky, though. I could say like, okay, yeah, right now I'm interested in finding someone to be in a, a committed relationship with. And then when I'm sitting with this person, I'm sitting there, I'm looking at them, and I'm like, are we going to end up in a fucking five-year relationship down the line? I, am I going to have kids with you? Are we going to have a family? No. Yeah. If it's no, does, then does it mean that we shouldn't engage at all in a sexual relationship? Or Because if I'm looking for the relationship, but at the same time I don't see a long-term thing going on with this person. Well, you need to switch gears. I mean, I, and I don't think that a, any relationship, relationships aren't a waste of time. So when I say you know, don't waste my time. I mean, don't be dishonest. I mean, right. I, I, th- I think there's value in a in a one-week relationship, in a one-year, in 10 years. Now, I'm not going to speak for you. Like, you know your values. But I, I think that these conversations, for example, that we're encouraging people to have in this ultimate guide, I think they matter at, at any level. Um, and I would see them more as, not as work, but as, you know, like an opportunity to learn about someone and get to know them like no different than sorry small talk on a date where you ask about their family and and those type of things so uh, I, I think that these are important conversations as soon as you're considering having sex now I know like let's be realistic most people aren't buying this book uh, at the very very beginning most people don't tend to invest in their relationships until they've been there a while but I guess you can sort of look at it like with with a car um, you know as the car gets older you if if you miss those old oil changes you're really in trouble but you can prevent the car from, you know, deteriorating if you get the oil changes regularly at 12 or 15,000 or kilometers or whatever they're supposed to be. I don't know anything about cars, okay? But there's a sticker that tells you when you should get your oil change. So I think that all of these things are really important. And, and you know, currently you mentioned we need a book. I have a course and it's coming out and it's 50 exercises for couples. And I want every, yeah, I want every couple to have conversations about kids, about money, about in-laws, about family. Like I look at your relationship and I think people People will be intimidated by that, and that's fine. But they're not—they're pro- either not a fit for you, or they've got to work through their shit. Because mm-hmm. it's not on you to necessarily adjust for someone else. Like I, I really look at relationships with the lens of consensual non-monogamy approach, even if you're monogamous. And that is that: why would you want to hold your partner back? Why would you want to? Love it inhibit their fulfillment and if your relationship for example or this business project you know brings you joy or you derive fulfillment or even money whatever it is that you know (laughs) makes you makes you feel good from it why would someone want to impede upon that and that's why I think these conversations are essential from the onset 
I love your open-minded approach to all relationships. It really, it, it's, it's so refreshing. And it also is interesting because I've noticed, and I was talking to a friend of mine who, you know, people in my generation are like, you know, monogamy is the only way to be. Yeah. They don't, they don't understand any other. And, and lately, every, every person I think we've interviewed has been non-monogamous. I mean, oh. I'm like the most vanilla person on the planet, um, apparently, compared to like the people that we've been interviewing. And what do you think attributes to this phenomenon that all of a sudden, I mean, the majority of people are consider themselves to be queer, but I think queer is normal. Well, that's interesting. Um, I think that if you're interviewing people in this space, uh, you know, like experts in the field, they may be No, more... we're talking comedians. We're talking about ah. athletes. We're talking oh, well, about... I mean, come on, L.A. <laughs> <laughs> isn't, anyone, isn't everyone seeing them there? Um, well, so what we know is that about 20% of daters in America from, some, from one study have tried consensual non-monogamy. If you come up here to Canada, 12% of a representative sample, I think they were aged something like 18 to 80, 12% say that their ideal relationship format is some form of consensual non-monogamy. I think um, two things. It has always existed, and we haven't talked about it. And then the second thing is that the new part is actually not consensual non-monogamy. It's the consent. Because people have been cheating forever and right, ever. Right, that's what I was going to say, they've 100%. Been, they've been fully non-monogamous, but the consent and the openness has been absent. And I, I think, too, like if you look generally, generationally, you know, me and, and my friends, oftentimes we kind of, we grew up and we saw our parents maybe in unhappy relationships or going through divorce. And we want to make sure that, we're exploring all of our options as opposed to just opting into a system because we feel we should. And, and again, that sort of comes from our privilege to be able to even think about those things, right? Like our parents were, I mean, more focused on on kind of survival, not just how do I make my life more fulfilling. They were just kind of trying to get by, uh, especially if you think about, you know, like uh, immigrant parents and people who were, mm -hmm. were, you know, lived, whose parents lived through through the Great Depression. But I think that there's just more conversation now about what brings me fulfillment and relationship format may or may not be a part of that. I mean, I really believe monogamy can work and I'm a fan of monogamy too. I just think monogamy works best when we've, when we've opted into it as opposed to just doing it by accident because it's That's what we think we're supposed to do. That yeah. is the key because so, society tells us this is the way it should be. Exactly. We cannot think about any other options. Exactly. One of the things that I loved about your book was this premise that being a good seducer is not what you do, but it's how it makes the other person feel. Mm -hmm. So this is probably my favorite uh, part and takeaway is uh, the concept of your core erotic feeling, meaning that once you understand emotional seduction, the rest of it is actually easy. Like, you know what, in the book and, and in life, you can learn techniques and positions and play with toys, and those are all amazing, but they pale in comparison to really understanding someone's needs. And I think we had spoken in the past about the fact that, you know, every experience is emotional. It doesn't matter if you're having sex with the love of your life or 18 people at a sex party and you're never going to see them again. It's an emotional experience. And that doesn't yeah. mean it's romantic. It doesn't mean that it's long-term love, but there's an emotion. So, so when I say your core erotic feeling, I'm referring to the emotion you need to experience in order to get in the mood for sex. So how do you need to feel 
to potentially have sex. You need to feel loved, relaxed, safe, sexy, desired, challenged. And we all have a different core erotic feeling. And, and, you, and we kind of go through some of the ways to uncover your core erotic feeling. It's not a simple quiz like the five love languages. There is, you know, it's a feeling, so there's more nuance to it. But then once you figure out your core erotic feeling, <laughs> oh my gosh, that is when you can explore your elevated erotic feelings and toy with emotions that take sex to the next level. And oftentimes these emotions are subversive. It's like it's the reason why like I can get really excited over feeling jealous and it can be so thrilling because you're taking a feeling you don't generally want to feel but within the context of a safe loving respectful uh, relationship where like I mean I feel so honored and appreciated all the time and I need to feel those things but it's not like a big panty dropper for me right it doesn't you know being I know how much Brandon loves me and he shows me Uh, without fail and I need that I would never do away with that but then because that's taken care of I can toy with these other kind of scary feelings and they no longer become scary in the heat of the moment like when I say I can get turned on by feeling jealous I don't want to feel jealous on a Tuesday afternoon you know in in the middle of a business dealing but in the safety of our bedroom on our own, it feels really good for me. And so I want people to better understand their own core erotic feeling, their own personal responsibility for their feelings, and how they can cultivate more of those feelings. I just, I want more conversations that are really around sex and emotional literacy. And I think the next book will be um, sex and emotional literacy. And I'll have to pull in experts who are far more learned than me and explore some of these really, these deep concepts that hold us back, like rejection, right? This fear of rejection. This is what I I kind of, I was taken with this idea as well. And it made made me question how anyone could have casual sex. And I know you say you can have these feelings at a play party, but it is very hard for me to imagine uh, just feeling so emotionally connected with someone that you know for so little time. Well, I don't know um, if it's just connection as much as understanding. I mean, maybe that's semantics. But let's say, um, like, if you if you go to a play party, oftentimes there are very direct discussions about what you want. In fact, more direct than most couples have in the privacy of their bedroom after 20, 30 years of marriage. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, you might say to someone, you can touch me here, but not here. I like it rough here, but gentle there. Um, I like this language, but not that language. You can whisper in this ear, but not that ear. The left nipple, but not the right nipple. There, there are a lot of, you know, instructions that, you know, it it takes a while to get to that. But oftentimes in these spaces, there are direct shortcuts because you have these more formal interactions. And of course, I don't want to paint a play party as an ideal space because some of them are not. Some of them are, um, you know, some are more responsible than others. And I think it depends on who's hosting it oftentimes and who's there. So, So do you go to play parties? So I... Um, have been in all spaces and oftentimes, and this is kind of the beauty of my job, I'm really there as an educator. So I would never, and I, this is this makes me probably different than a lot of people in my field. And when you said you feel vanilla, I actually feel like a prude half the time. Uh, like because <laughs> I, I feel much better now. Yeah, like I don't I don't necessarily go and play, and I am really strict. And this is a personal choice, not a professional judgment on anyone else. Um, like I just uh, I really do like to separate my work and my personal and the only place 
where I really do get that personal is sometimes on my podcast, um, but only because Brandon, my husband, is there with me. Uh, But no, like I'm trying to think of the last time I went to a play party. Oh, well, I go to a resort called Desire Resort and Spa. Are you familiar with them? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've been going there for years and years and they were actually my first client. I've been working with them since before I graduated. So it must have been like 2008 I started working with them or something like that. And so I was there um, not too long ago. And so then I would be around lots of this stuff and it's really hot and it's really sexy and I love it. But Brandon and I would go back to our room and kind of. Yeah. I can relate to that. I mean, I'm more of, I feel like I've over the years figured out that I'm much more of a voyeur exhibitionist than I am maybe a participant as of now who knows I mean yeah and you know what there's probably someone who's seen there's probably someone who's seen me at desire and been like no I've seen you on one of those beds around the jacuzzi (laughs) so you know I don't have uh, like hard and strict rules I'm not you're right there is more fluidity and there are moments in time where I might be more inclined to doing something in public Uh, I will say that I used to really love it a lot more and then when you get into the public eye a little I I I've definitely pulled back because first of all I don't want to be objectified unless it's with someone with whom I want to be objectified, like Brandon. <laughs> I, I don't mind yeah. that, that man objectifying me once in a while. But uh, <laughs> but I also know it's underscored by respect, right? Like I know uh, how he sees me as a person. And so, so yeah, it's, it's kind of scary being in the public eye and having people kind of look in. And, and then also there's this pressure, and I'm sure you run into this, of – people's expectation of how you should perform how you should act oh, yeah. how how they good should you to be? be sex goddesses oh my gosh I always say like if I had to date again people would be so let down because they'd be like oh <laughs> she's she's gonna do that this this and this I've heard her talk about that I'm like no man that's just for demo purposes on the carrot <laughs> yeah that is why I set the bar very low on the podcast and basically <laughs> tell all of our listeners do not expect anything I mean this is you get what you what you hear, you know? Yeah, uh, under-promise and over-deliver. Yeah. At this point, anything at all would be fine. <laughs> Here's what I don't understand. You just got out of a very intense surgery, and how do you look so well put together when I look on death's door? I'm glad you mentioned that, Cam, because I'm not kidding when I say that. All the products I use are from City Beauty. That's citybeauty.com. What kind of products? Skincare products, Cam. I use the most unbelievable skincare products. They're all from City Beauty. They just sent me a facial cleanser that is incredible. It feels like nourishing seaweed on your face. And I really feel that they made a major difference in my face. And you gave me a hair rejuvenation That's right. thing from City Beauty that I can't wait to put all over my goddamn scalp. <laughs> anyway, go to citybeauty.com. Enter code Karen Lee and you will get a very good discount at citybeauty.com, code Karen Lee. They have unbelievable moisturizers and all kinds of products that are going to rejuvenate your skin at any age. It could switch to when I first met my boyfriend, I was not looking for a relationship. I was just still in my casual sex phase. Mm-hmm. And and then we got, you know, you, you catch feelings for each other. So it, it may be that you can think it's going to go one way, Cam, and it's going to go completely the opposite direction. You know, you might think it's going to be casual and it gets to be, you know, into a relationship or, or vice versa. So and when you're talking about these feelings, any encounter, whether it's at Starbucks or whether it's, you know, having a one night stand, the feelings that you get are not necessarily positive feelings, but they're feelings nonetheless. 
Yes, absolutely. I think that um, part of our problem is in the West is our notion of romance, right? There's this Mm -hmm. idea that you fall in love. And yes, some people experience that, but some people cultivate love. So I do a lot of work um, overseas. So in India, for example, and they'll talk about, you know, how families introduce them to one another. And then, of course, they had, in most cases, the option to marry one another. But it's not as though they fell in love because their eyes locked across the room. They've cultivated love and care and respect and passion over the years. But here we really believe it's this like inevitable chemical process. And of course, there is some chemistry to it. You do get that kind of drop in serotonin and the boost in dopamine and the boost in endorphins and adrenaline, and it makes you feel high. But you don't have to have that feeling. And so when we say, um, you know, is sex in an emotional experience, it can be an emotional experience even if you don't have an emotional attachment to the person or people with whom you're having sex. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, what I want to remind people of because people sometimes, I, you know, you get interviewed by, you know, magazines will ask like, well, how do you treat someone that it's you're, it's casual with and it's it's nothing long, it's not long-term commitment. And I'm like, well, you have to treat them with the same love and care and humanity and respect as someone that you might be in a long-term relationship with because they're a human being. And as you said, Karen Lee, it might be your intention to have something casual and it turns into something more. Brand, you know, 19 years ago is when I met Brandon. We were children, children. And I, I, it was, it was going to be a casual thing. And then, and then it wasn't. You know, 19 years later, here we are. And it's so damn good. Oh, it's so nice to hear that too. But this is what so happened w- with me and my husband. We were all like for a full year, just straight up friends. And then as soon as we put the romantic or the sexual component in, all of a sudden I was telling him a lot less. And he hmm. was like, boy, you were, we were a lot closer when, when we were just friends. That's Because as best friends, we were telling each other everything. And ah. then all of a sudden we're now romantic and we're keeping some of our, our, fantasies or whatever to ourselves and it back again this is back when I was a very young cougarette I was still only in my <laughs> cougar uh, cub 20, 20, I was a cougarette a cougar yeah exactly so I think I'm still circling on the question of who do you choose to have sex with oh that's a great question um and I don't think there's a universal answer I think that if it feels good to you then do it. And I, I don't know you that well, Cam, but I, I know a little bit about your work and if I listen to you speak. Uh, if you, if for you, you only want to have sex when you feel a loving connection, then I think that's what's right for you. Whereas, but go ahead. It's a partial statement is what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> because the, the physical desire and lust exists more often than I respond to it. Okay. But that's that's it's, normal because you can't respond to every human instinct. Like nobody, nobody has sex based on every impulse. Just like you don't eat everything you want to eat. Like if there's 14 peanut butter cookies, I'm going to stop myself after nine for sure, <laughs> even though I want all 14. <laughs> and so I think you, that's where I think exploring your sexual values becomes really important. And so if you could know, okay, here's what I get out of sex physically. Here's what I like to get out of it emotionally. Here's what it means to me in a relational context. And if you can kind of concretely know those things in advance, I think it makes it easier for you to assess the situation and say, yeah, I feel like moving forward with this or I feel like pulling back and I'm not ready to have sex. And I I think that if you explore these concepts in advance of experiencing the desire or, you know, connection, then 
they're kind of more ingrained in you. It's sort of like um, if you find a wallet on the ground and it's full of money and your first instinct is to, to pick it up and return it to the owner, you don't go through a checklist in your head. You just know where your values lie. Mm. And so I'd like to get us in a similar place around sex. So you're far more familiar with your sexual values and it becomes more, in, I don't want to say instinctual, but ingrained in you uh, so that it's, and, and that takes time, right? Like we've basically spent most of our lives, even with you know open parents and supportive parents, we haven't always had the tools to consider our sexual values. And that that's why I think it's it's just a really important discussion to to have with yourself and then eventually potentially with a partner. Have I sidestepped your question about who to have sex with? <laughs> <laughs> you haven't. You haven't. But I, I think it is, it, you know, it's an interesting, it requires a lot of circumstances. Like it requires there to be a person there wanting to have sex with you. It requires True. you to be willing to enter a scary situation where potentially one or both of you are hurt. You know, it's, there's a lot of... Uh, Ah, yes, the the rejection piece. And and that's why on the next book, I'd really like it to be about emotional literacy, because uh, I think we all need to learn to to reject a partner or a potential partner. And we also need to learn to deal with rejection. And I do think like kind of North American culture, Western culture, um, the kind of how to get to yes approach, even in business, uh, I think I, I think that it sets us up uh, to avoid all experiences of rejection instead of embracing embracing and processing rejection because we get rejected all the time and we're social creatures and it hurts. Like you probably know the research around the brain and body's reaction to emotional pain being mm-hmm. similar to physical pain but worse because you can recall it. And as social beings, when, when somebody says no to us, when somebody shows a lack of interest, uh, you know, the old evolutionary mechanism is fear because we literally couldn't survive without social support. And so that holdover is that we adjoy, avoid rejection at all costs. And I think we need to really, really work on that and, and be more compassionate with ourselves and with other people. And, you know, you know, Karen Lee, you talk about games. And I think so oftentimes games are about ego, right? It's about like, well, huh, he, he has to try harder for me or she has to work harder to get this. And, uh, you know, really from a heart perspective what a what a crappy way to treat people right we don't do that on the street like if someone on the street says help i need your help the human in us turns to them and probably wants to help them right of course there are layers of bias as to who we help i don't want to you know neglect Mm -hmm. that but you know generally we want to help people so why would we want to play games in relationships why have we made it so complicated why you know i all i hear in the straight world from like women are complaining about how men act and men are complaining about how women act but then you know, you talk to them about what they want, but what they want, they want the same things. So let's just, you know, get away from, you know, quote unquote, the game, which was kind of the original seduction mm-hmm. manual, right? That And that is really about messing with people's emotions. And ask yourself, when you're 99 years old, are you going to be proud of the way you behaved? I, and I, I say this not as a preacher. Like, I'm not saying I'm not a jerk sometimes. I'm not saying that I'm like this super emotionally evolved person. Like I struggle with all these things. I'll tell you personally, I struggle with rejection. I struggle um, in life with rejection, but also around sex. Like I will sometimes not initiate sex, but try and get Brandon to initiate sex because I do have this fear of rejection and partly because I'm lazy. I'm like, oh, do I really want to do the physical work? So, you know, I I hear you. Yeah, like I... (laughs) Every problem that I help people to resolve, I face myself. And I, you know, I'm, I'm a work in pro- progress and trying to work my own stuff out as well. 
Cam, were you referring to you rejecting someone or them rejecting you? Either way is painful. Oh, yes. Rejecting someone can feel painful. And then... I think rejecting someone is even worse. It, yeah. A worse feeling than getting rejected from me. Right. And because I feel their pain. Right. Yeah. And I think that prevents him... From and, and maybe I'm wrong, Kim, but does it prevent you from then even starting the relationship because you're afraid that if you reject them, then it's going to hurt them and yeah. maybe ultimately hurt you? Yeah, it's and, and I get your point about like, you know, if you're honest about what you're looking for and not playing games, mm-hmm. then that's all you could really ask for. But the truth is like, you don't, you're just not going to know how you're going to feel, you know, down the line and so you might say yeah i want a relationship but then you discover not with this person and so and it leads to pain yeah i guess that's the other piece is we have to recognize that sometimes we will hurt other people's feelings and sometimes we will leave them feeling rejected and cameron you know i don't know if you find this in like a non-intimate setting but you know i can tell you that i have trouble saying no to people right you know especially Yeah, and and I ha- I'm really working on it. I have a friend who who's also in the field who's just like me, and we talk about like you know what we're gonna be like when we're older when we finally know how to say no without apology. Um, and then we have another friend who actually I can say her name because she's great at it. Marla is one of the most honest, genuine, straightforward people. So Marla is my co-author in, in the latest book, mm-hmm. and. I feel that she hurts people a lot less because she's so much more honest. I realize, and I actually just had this conversation with her this morning, that in trying to let people down easily, in trying to to um, guard them from feelings of rejection, I'm dishonest. And mm-hmm. in yep. the, in the big picture of that relationship, it's uh, it's really it's not good for the relationship. Now, if I'm at a bar. And, you know, someone comes up to me and says, you know, do you want to go out or can I have your number? Not that that happens anymore, but let's just say they come up and say, can I have your number? Uh, I don't have to turn to them and say, actually, you know, like I don't have to be brutally honest and say, you know what? I'm really not physically attracted to you. Um, (laughs) It might be just as easy to say, you know what? I'm in a relationship, so I'm I'm not interested. But if that person... um, you know, is somebody in my life or, you know, when somebody is more long term in your life, I would hope that you can be a little bit more honest, not brutally honest. But and that's what I'm learning from people like Marla. Karen Lee, I think you've got this worked out. And that's why you have. <laughs> no, that's why you have the confidence you have. That's why you've written the book um, like on this. Well, and my, I, my my idea is that in terms of love, if if someone doesn't love me with the intensity that I love them, then they're not. They miss the vote. They they miss the golden goose. That's 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 it. I mean, if the, if you don't get that love back from that person, then it that it's that person. I feel sorry for them. Not, not I don't feel sorry for myself. But I've been lucky because I don't think I've been seriously rejected ever from a relationship. I've just been. Maybe I'm choosing the people that I know will not reject me or I've just been lucky. Who knows? But uh, you don't have to – I think you can't go into any relationship. Friends, you know, even even when I'm trying to make new female friends, that you know, I've, it, 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 which could be difficult too, it doesn't – if they don't want to be my friend, it's not going to hurt me because they don't really know me. If they knew me, they'd want to be my friend. Right, and that's that's sort of the cerebral piece, like the cognitive behavioral piece we can do – cam around so what you know what am i thinking here how realistic is it 
Um, can I reframe that thought? And then how do I adjust my behavior accordingly? And the more you do this, you know, similarly to what, to what I was saying before, the more it becomes ingrained in you and it becomes your natural behavior as opposed to yeah. something. I mean, I'm working, like I said, I'm working on it too. <laughs> it's tough. I very much appreciate all of your insights here. Yeah. And I recognize that our time is coming to an end. Ah. Wait, I would like to know what your zodiac sign is. Oh, I, I'm an Aquarius. I think I'm like, I'm Feb, Feb I wish 18. I phrased it differently. I was. I wish I phrased it. Are you an Aquarius? Because that's what I was thinking the whole time. And I, damn, I was too. I was too scared to to, to risk uh, making a mistake. Damn. But I 100% saw you as a like a true Aquarius. Yeah, I'm an Aquarius. I'm right on the cusp. I know I'm a monkey in the Chinese zodiac. No, and you're I, an Aquarius that wants to help the greater mankind that's a big yeah i hope so yeah and i i saw it so prevalently this whole thing and i'm like <laughs> why didn't i just ask her why didn't are you an aquarius you might be more than just an aquarius you might be an aquarius 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 have you talked about um the the what do you call them zodiac signs and sex before yes Ooh, i need to go <laughs> listen to that one we actually uh, haven't had an expert on in this area, but my mom is obsessed with it. And oh yeah. so it comes up every episode. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so any episode you listen to, you should hear all our listeners know to, to give us their demographics by saying if their, their age, their sex, and what their zodiac sign is. Okay. I like it. That's how they're identified in our, in our logs. <laughs> so Jess, how do people find your work if they want to find these incredible tips on seduction or whatever you want to share. Yeah, the book is called The Ultimate Guide to Seduction in Four Plays, sold everywhere books are available. And my website is sexwithdrjess.com. And if you're interested in the courses, it's happiercouples.com. You are amazing. Thank you. Not just, I mean, personally, you're a wonderful person. You've got such a glowing energy and big heart. But what you taught and what you're teaching is just a helpful not just to single people, but to married people and people of all, you know, polyamory, whatever. It's just, it's just a general goodness. Love talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And that was our interview with Dr. Jess. Mother, how do you think you will carry forward her seduction tips? I know I'm going to use them because I already started using them when I was reading the book last night with these. Yeah. What so. was going on with that conversation? It was hilarious. I I don't want to go into details. Maybe I'll save it for the morning after show. But basically, details. Details. When you think someone's going to answer the questions in a certain way and they answer it completely different, it's always it makes me laugh. So it's fun. What do you think about this core erotic feeling, the main thing that really turns you on? Do you did you identify yours? No, because I think maybe because I'm ADHD or something, my erotic feelings change all the time. Sometimes I like it one way. Sometimes I like another. Sometimes it's playing. Sometimes it's BDSM. It could be all a whole list of ways. I think there's got to be a reason why you're with D's. Like he makes you feel a certain way that oh, yeah. allows you to go into all those different places. So well, I think because he's also very spontaneous. And that's the thing is in the book, she talks about. Uh, the feelings, and it gets you starting to think about your partner in a different way. Hmm. Well, I would say my core erotic feeling, I would say, is a relaxed state of mind, as you might have guessed from the fact that I get boners at silent retreats. Yeah, that is not my... I mean, it has to be both. It can't just be like complete you know, romantic uh, relaxation. Sometimes you need it to be a little bit like 
a little exciting. A little exciting, and, and yeah, so, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, but it's I think the foundation, the core erotic feeling is that if there's got to be a lot of relaxation, a lot of trust there for me. Of course, yeah. Two days ago, when there was rioting and all this crazy stuff going on, I'm not gonna go. Oh, you know what? Let's fuck right now. But some people might. Oh, interesting. I wanted to thank everyone who has been leaving us reviews. Wherever you listen to this podcast, we can always use your help by leaving a review. And if you don't know how, just go to ratethispodcast.com slash mom. That's in the episode description of this episode. And I, I will read one right now just because it was so beautiful. Well, you might also want to tell them, the little sneaky freakers, why it's important to leave why a rating review. important? Because, because it, it butters us up? It makes us feel warm and fuzzy. But also, I think it's important for the ratings, like the SEO rankings and things like that. If they see a lot of people writing reviews, the bots are going to go, oh, let's let's promote this podcast. It also allows us to have really cool guests like Dr. Jess. It says like, oh, these people have almost a thousand reviews. They're legit. That's right. And it's hard to get reviews. So if you and guys we can really do that. Thank you. If you've left us a review, it really means the world to us. So thank you. Feel free to leave another one on a different email. <laughs> so this says... The subject line is, it's like going through the forest looking for a stump. <laughs> oh, I know what that refers to. Karen Lee, this little nugget is so hilarious and better than any ad copy Manscapes.com <laughs> could have come up with. I just upped my patron level and I love your book. You are an inspiration. Woohoo! You got a fan over there, mother. Who is that? Deirdre, she continues on to say, Cam, you are a wonderful, you owe it to yourself and to the world to be yourself. So thank you for that, Aww. which is also an inspiration. Oh, that's very sweet. Thank you, Deirdre Nola. You're Aww. a sweet, sneaky freak. And that's a very, very sweet message. So thank you. And for those of you who want to know what Patreon is, that's a way that you can support us monetarily to make sure that we are having food on our table. Phenomenal segue, Mother. I just bought a new computer and we're already able to do so many new cool things with it. And it's mainly because of the Patreon money that's come in over the past couple of years. Uh, so I really thank you for all of your, your donations over there. And if you want bonus content, like basically almost a new episode every goddamn week, it's just five bucks a month. So just at the least, but you know, obviously the more you donate, the, the better karma you're going to have. Don't forget to mention we have hangouts with just our patrons alone. And those are really fun. Coming so, up. Yep. There's a lot of really advantageous reasons to join Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash sex talk with my mom. And on that note, mother. And let me tell you about the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees and having the chat about dirty, sexy. Ooh, I love that dirty, dirty, sexy dirty talk. Dirty sex. You guys like that little dirty, raunchy, sexy talk. Here's a great idea for dirty talk. If you want to break the ice, send this episode to partner or someone who you think might enjoy listening to this. Because I think it, helps. it might get them in the mood. I'll talk to you soon. Love ya. Bye. Bye. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.